Well, it's been uh, three weeks where uh, other pastors have been speaking instead of me, which has been awesome. Like, I love, they are amazing, done such a great job. But I got to tell you, I've been storing it up. Watch out now. Careful what you ask for. I've been storing it up now for three weeks. I was sitting there during worship and just, oh my goodness, hearing you folks sing and the name of Jesus being lifted high. And, and I leaned over to Tracy before I walked up here and I said, you better watch out. I'm feeling loose today. <laughs> and she, she said, Joel, you better rein it in because don't reg- say anything you regret. So uh, please don't hold it against me, but uh, I'm feeling footloose and fancy free and ready to study God's word. So I'll ask you the question. And then we'll, we'll jump right in. How many of you are ready to study God's Word today? Okay. We're going to be in John chapter 17 in just a little bit. But uh, David Stoop in his book, Self Talk, spoke of a study in which they looked at 30,000 people suffering from sleeplessness, 25,000 from hypertension, and 20,000 test cases with ulcers. And he said all of them were stress-related. In a study by John Hopkins University, they determined that over 75% of all illnesses in America are caused by pressure and anxiety. They found that 174 patients uh, that they surveyed, 140 out of the 174 could be labeled as worrying patients, people who struggle with anxiety. And get this, in over half, in over half, of those studied, it was diagnosed that worry and anxiety actually contributed to putting them in the hospital. But the good news is today, that is just south of the border, Canadians don't have that problem. (laughs) Am I I right? Although, you know, I got to confess something to you. I was thinking about it, preparing this message on stress and anxiety this week. And, uh, and I thought I would probably have a lot less if I would stop watching the news and reading the internet. I think that is a big source of the stress in, in my life. So raise your hand. How many of you have felt anxiety or, or stress sometime in the last month or two? Okay. I'm glad we're in the right place. I thought maybe this was, uh, glad this is a subject that we can relate to today. Uh, how many of you are sitting beside the person who causes you stress? No, 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 don't, don't, don't. <laughs> Don't, don't answer that question. Uh, you'll get some stress in your elbows. And so the problem is, what do we do with the stress in our lives? Well, today we are going to look at the book of John. And so if you have your Bible uh, with you, or if you want to find it on your phone or your electronic device, just look up John chapter 17, and we will get to that in just a little bit. But I also want to mention, if you are a brand new Christian, we have new Christians around here, people who are new in their faith, people who did not grow up in a church environment, and if if that describes you, there are a couple of things that I want to recommend. First of all, that you read through the book of John. If you are new to the Bible, the book of John is an amazing place to start that gives us insight into the life of Jesus. Also, this fall, we have our our classes that are designed to help you grow and get started in your faith. If you have not yet made a decision for Jesus or, or this is all brand new to you, Alpha is an amazing starting point for you. And then uh, from there, we have 
uh, a class that we've been calling Beta, which is about pillars of the faith that we build our lives upon, the, the pillars of Christianity. And then we have freedom, which is about finding freedom in the Spirit of God as found and, and delivered in the truth of God's Word. And so, so we, we have these things. But just even starting before you get into those, those classes this fall, just start Read through the book of, of John. It's a great window into the life of Jesus. And especially the last half of John, because what you find is from chapter 13 on through until chapter 19, where Jesus goes to the cross, that in these chapters, you find that, that there is no other time in Jesus' life that is more tension-filled and, and more filled with, with anxiety and, and questions and, and, and struggles. And, and yet, here's what's beautiful. That in this time for Jesus, when he is facing more pressure than any other time, there is also no better place to find the intimacy that Jesus has and the, the strength and the courage that he finds in his relationship with the Father. And so before we get into how he dealt with his stress, how Jesus addressed the stress in his life, first let's talk about why Jesus was stressed out. And I think the first thing, if we'll put on the screen, the first thing that Jesus was, was stressed out about is that people were misunderstanding him. Have you ever had misunderstandings? If you look at John chapter 9, verse 16, it says, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God. For he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? And so they were divided. There were debates over who Jesus is, and people argued and said, oh, he's this, and oh, he's that, and they brought accusations against him, and false accusations, and they made up lies about him, and, and, and some people, maybe it wasn't even malicious intent, some people just, they didn't understand what he was doing. Have you ever faced that in your life? I, I, I think about the times where I've said something that hurt people's feelings, where, where people get upset or and maybe I didn't mean it, or maybe it didn't come out right. There are times when I will say something from the platform, and, and somebody will get upset and leave the church. And it breaks my heart. It really does. You don't have to raise your hand, but if I ask the question, how many of you have ever said something that caused misunderstanding or caused relational stress <laughs> between you and other people? It would be all of us, right? And, and that... That causes such pressure in our lives. Also, that Jesus was experiencing rejection. If you look at John 1, verse 11, it says, He came unto his own, but his own did not receive him. It hurts to feel rejection and have people turn their back against you. And Jesus knew what that was like. Number three, he experienced temptation. Hebrews chapter 4 uh, verse, seven, uh, verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest, that's referring to Jesus. Jesus is our high priest. We are the priesthood of believers. Uh, boy, I could teach on that for the next 30 minutes. But anyway, uh, so we are all priests. Welcome to the ministry, by the way, if you didn't know. We are all priests. We are the priesthood of believers. 
But Jesus is our high priest who is, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. He knows. Because we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet he did not sin. Jesus knows what it's like to feel temptation and the pressure of that in our lives. Number four, Jesus carried heavy responsibility. He had the, the, the weight of responsibility on him. Uh, again, back to, I know this is going to sound like, oh, woe is me, everybody feels sorry for me. That's not my point. I'm not looking for sympathy. But I'm just going to be really honest with you and admit that sometimes like, I will feel the weight of my job, and it'll stress me out, and I'll think, oh my goodness, everybody's counting on me, and there's so much pressure, and I, I have so much responsibility, and it weighs me down, until I remember 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, that Jesus personally carried our sins in his body, all of us. All of our sins weighed upon him in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. For by his wounds you are healed. He carried the weight and the responsibility of our sins to the cross to pay the price for us so that we can be forgiven. And folks, whenever you start to worry about how hard it is to be a Christian, and it is sometimes, I get it, but just remember what Jesus did for you, that he loved you so much that he died for you. He made the way for you that you could receive eternal life. He opened the door to heaven that anyone who receive him can come in. That even though he was perfect and holy and, and had all power and authority in heaven, and yet still he humbled himself and came to this earth and he put on flesh and he walked among us and he told us the truth. He taught us how to live. But even more than, he died for us so that we can be forgiven through his death on the cross. And that is why we praise him. That is why we sing. That is why we offer him everything in our lives. That is who he is. That's a lot of responsibility. Wouldn't that stress you out? <laughs> And number five, Jesus was running out of time. John 14, verse 30, Jesus said, I don't have much more time to talk to you. Uh, every, every, at every, uh, every Sunday, some people are probably like, man, I wish Jesus would say that. I don't have much, uh, Joel would say that. I don't have much more time to talk to you. I'm almost done. But he was running out of time. I don't have much more time, he said, to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches now, I pulled out this passage, this little verse, because I wanted to point out something as well. When it comes to Jesus running out of time, there's an interesting little thing here that I want to mention where it says, Jesus said, because the ruler of this world approaches. Do you know who the ruler of this world is? A lot of people are like, God, I know the answer to that. God is in control. God is in charge. God is the ruler of this world. Uh-uh. Not true. See, God made this world as a gift for you and for me. He gave us dominion. We are created in his image that we could rule over this world. But what happened in the Garden of Eden? They sinned. They disobeyed God. 
Sin entered the world, and guess who was given through our choice to, to reject God and choose Satan? And Satan became the ruler of this world. That, when you understand that, all of a sudden things start to make sense. When you look at the pain, people are like, if God is so good, then why there's so much bad in this world? Well, that question comes from a lack of understanding of who the ruler of this world really is. See, the, the, Satan is the ruler of this world because God gave it to us and we gave it to Satan. And, and you look at, at pain and disease and sickness and hardship and natural disasters and evil and violence. And when you understand this, all of a sudden that starts to make sense. And that's why Jesus came to take back the keys to the kingdom but in order to receive his authority in our lives, we have to submit it to him willingly. And that's what it means to become a Christian. That, that's the salvation story. That's why Jesus came. And so, understanding that there's this pressure, Jesus said, I'm almost out of time. Do you ever feel stressed by the lack of time that you have to get done what needs to get done? How many of you wish that you could get 27 hours in an eight-week, eight-hour or eight-day week would be awesome, wouldn't it? That would be so fantastic to be able to have more time to get done all the stuff that needs to get uh, done. Uh, I, there's this great, uh, great joke about uh, the guy who, who goes to the doctor for a checkup. And he, he goes and he gets his test done and, he, and then he comes back the next day to get the results and, and the doctor says, well, I've got some good news and some bad news. Which would you like to have first? And he said, I'll, I'll take the good news first. And the, the doctor said, the good news is you only have 24 hours left to live. Only 24 hours. And the guy's like, what? 24 hours to live? That's the good news? What in the world is the bad news? And the bad news is the doctor says, I forgot to tell you this yesterday. And, uh, and, uh, and so it, it's an awful feeling to know that you don't have enough time to get all the stuff done. And Jesus is feeling the urgency of time in his life. Uh, number six, Jesus had to trust others with his work. And this is probably the most stressful thing of all, isn't it? Because it's one thing to have the responsibility yourself, but it's another thing to trust somebody else to do it for you. Sometimes that's even more stressful, isn't it? To entrust it to someone else. Matthew 28, verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, so therefore you go, he says, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you. So you have to go and do it, he says, but I will be with you to the very end of the age. So Jesus says, I have done my part, now I am giving the mission to you, now it's, it's, it's you, in your hands. Sometimes it's hard to trust other people, isn't it? Uh, this week we had something like that happen in our house uh, where there was a little lack of trust. Uh, this week at our house, the dog had a tuft of hair that was getting in his eye and it was bugging me. And so uh, I decided 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna trim that hair so the dog can see, because it was just on the one side. Like if it was on both sides, I might be able to deal with it. But one side was trimmed and the other side was down like this. And I'm, and I'm like, I'm gonna trim that. So I went and I got some scissors and I'm walking, I'm walking through the house with the tr- scissors. And Tracy said, what are you doing, Joel? See, she doesn't trust me. She doesn't trust me. And so she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I, gotta, I gotta trim that hair around the dog's eye. It's just, it's, it's bugging me. She's like, no, 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 no. She said, you're going to poke that dog's eye out. <laughs> she said, that is a two-person job. Let me help you out. And so she went over. She said, I'll hold the dog. And so she, she held the dog, and she took his hair and put it between her fingers, you know, kind of like barbers do. And she, she's got the hair between her fingers, and I've got the scissors. And she's like, okay. And so, so, uh, so I got some good news and some bad news. <laughs> so the good news is I did not cut the dog. The bad news is I did cut Tracy. <laughs> And I felt so bad, I, I almost cried because she was milking it for sympathy, too. She was like, oh, like it. She was teasing me, and I was, I was, I thought I was gonna have to move out of the house. And so it is so hard to trust someone else, isn't it? That is stressful, especially when you see me with scissors. Look what happened to my hair. And so Jesus is leaving his entire mission in the hands of his disciples. And us, the church. And folks, that is our mission statement, isn't it? How how does God get his love to the world? I bet you know. (laughs) It's God's love in us to the world. That's what it's about. Yesterday, it was so beautiful to see this in action out on the streets of our city, downtown Victoria Park, where we had so many people from the community. I mean, people from every group that you can imagine, internationals and uh, and homeless people and, uh, and, I mean, everything you could imagine. We had children and teenagers and seniors, and it was such a beautiful thing. As we shared the love of Jesus, we prayed with people, met walking around, and I would walk by t- greeting people and talking with folks, and I would look over and see in our prayer tent, we had a prayer tent, and I would see people from our church with their hands on people praying over them in the name of Jesus. Oh, it was so beautiful. It was so good. We, we had the Gideon tent, the Gideon tent, handing out Bibles. People are just taking Bibles for free. It was so beautiful. Now, I I don't know, they might be using them to prop up the table in their kitchen, uh, but even if that's the case, hopefully sometime they'll reach down and pull it up and read the Word of God, and their lives will be transformed. It was an amazing, thank you so much as a church for how seriously you take our calling to demonstrate God's love to the world through us. And that's what, our, that's what our small groups are going to be about. Pat mentioned that, our all nations groups that have started and some of our groups already exist. This, we have a goal of launching, are you ready? 30 new small groups at the end of September. 30 new small groups. And that's like, oh, great, we're going to get to pray together and support one another and encourage one another and build community within the larger church. And all of that is true. It is true. That's what groups are about. But it's not all that groups are about. 
our small groups, the secret sauce is also that our small groups is not just God's love in us and then it stops there, which is how many of us who have been in church world for a long time have experienced small group. It's we get together, we study the Bible together, we pray together, we support one another, we encourage one another, but it's about God and us. And it stops there and lacks the missional component. But our groups not only meet every other week for us, but go out and serve every other month out on the streets of our city. That we're partnering with, with ministries and agencies and public schools and, and, and soup kitchens and food banks and homeless shelters. And, and, and that every other month we go out on the streets of our city to demonstrate the love of God to this world. Because listen, if we don't do it, it's not going to get done sharing the love of Jesus with the world. You gotta understand, there is no plan B. God's plan for the transformation of this world through his love is through us. There is no plan B. There is no other option. And if I was Jesus, and the plan for the transformation of the world was through people like you and me, that would stress me out too. <laughs> and so Jesus says he's facing this stress. How did he handle it? Okay. Finally, we're in the Bible, John 17. Are you ready for the good stuff? John 17, let's read our text together. John 17, verse 1 said, After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. And so when you look at these verses, how did Jesus handle the pressure in his life. A couple of things we're going to see today. First of all, Jesus set his eyes on the Father. In verse 1, in the midst of this time of pressure and his time drawing near and the weight of responsibility and all the things that we talked about, it says that in that time, he looked toward heaven. He took it to the Father he knew who to turn to. Now, instead of looking to the Father, where do most people turn? I found a poll by Princeton Research Associates. They found 65% of those polled said they feel tremendous stress every week. And so what do most people do? Listen to the number one thing most people do to release stress. 85% release stress by watching TV reading, or listening to music. 76% talk to a spouse, parent, or close friend. 69% play sports or go for a walk. 40% smoke or drink alcohol. And 36% said when the going gets tough, the tough go shopping. <laughs> <laughs> but where should we turn? What should be number one on the list? Listen, even Jesus had to look toward heaven and pray to the Father. 
1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God wants for you to put him first and cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. See, the way to handle tension is to give God your attention. Come on, that's, that's, that's pretty good. Try Say that with me. The way to handle tension. Oh, man. Come on, wake up. Wake up. Rem Do I have to remind you the way that this works? That if, if I don't hear back from you, I think you're not getting it, and I have to keep going longer. And so if you ever want to get out for lunch, I need to hear back from you, okay? So if I don't hear you, I think you're asleep. And I'm, okay, here we go. Repeat after me, say, the way to handle tension. Oh, man, you are hungry. You're ready to go. <laughs> Try to go. Again, the way to handle tension is to give God your attention. Number two, Jesus knew his life's purpose. In verse one, Jesus prays, Father, the time has come for you to glorify your son that I might give glory to you. In other words, Jesus knew that the purpose of his life was to bring glory to the Father. That it wasn't just about, listen, it wasn't just about making more money. It wasn't about getting more recognition. It wasn't about doing more stuff. The purpose of Jesus' life was to bring glory to the Father. And whether you realize it or not, that is your purpose as well. That is the very reason that God created you and designed you. And until you understand that the purpose of your life is to bring glory to the Father, then everything else isn't going to make any sense. Alice in Wonderland, there's this beautiful uh, little, little uh, part of the story where she comes to a fork in the road and there are two paths and she doesn't know which one to take. And she asks the big cat, which path should I take? And he said, well, that depends a great deal on where you want to go. And the decisions that you make in life should depend a great deal upon where you want your life to end up in the end. And the purpose of your life and mine, the very reason for our existence is to bring glory to God. And so listen, what that means is every financial decision we make should be seen through that filter. Does it bring glory to God? Every career decision we make, every relational decision that we make, every scheduling decision that we make with our time and our energy, a lot of the stress in our lives, listen, I think so much of the pressure that we feel, a lot of the stress that we experience is because we forget that all this stuff is not supposed to be about me. We make it about me, but it's not supposed to be about me. It's all about God. And that makes all the difference. I, you, you, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Okay. Next, Jesus gave up his rights. Where was Jesus before he came to this earth? He was seated at the right hand of the Father. All power and authority, angels at his beck and call. And yet, 
he chose to humble himself. He laid down his rights and he set down his heavenly credentials to show us that love is the better way. I love the example of the life of, of Paul, the Apostle Paul, because he constantly talked about laying down his rights. He said, it's not about what I think I deserve. He said, it's all for the sake of the cause of the kingdom of God. And, and, and so they would threaten him. They would say, Paul, we're going to throw stones at you. And he'd like, go ahead. He said, he said, do your worst. I've had worse than this. Come on, throw it harder, that rock. I can handle this. They would say, Paul, if you don't stop planting churches, we're going to throw you in jail. He's like, oh, that would be great. Because, you know, last time I was in prison in Rome, I, I was witnessing to one of the prison guards, and he was just about to accept Jesus. Send me back there, won't you? They said, Paul, you, you better shut up and talking about that Jesus stuff. And he's like, oh, oh, what are you going to do to me? We'll kill you. He's like, oh, man, that would be so horrible that I get to go and be with Jesus and leave this sinful world and go be in paradise with the Father. Man, what do you do with somebody who has already surrendered all of their rights and their privileges to God? You can't scare them. You can't hurt them. You can't beat them. When you stop saying, look, it's what about I deserve. It's, it's not about what I deserve. What I deserve is death and hell and punishment. That's what I deserve. It's about what I surrender. Because the more I surrender to him, the more freedom and joy and fulfillment I find in my life. Amen. Number four, Jesus was a generous giver. This whole prayer is about Jesus giving himself to a world that desperately needs him. And sometimes, it'll be like, oh man, look, look at, I, I give 15, I give 20% of my income to missions and to, to church ministry and to charity and to help people. And I go to church every Sunday and look at all the great stuff that I do until you remember, look, take what I give to Jesus and compare it to what Jesus gave to me. Mark chapter 10, verse 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, it's giving up my rights that I don't have to be all uptight and stressed about, well, this is mine and that's yours. and It's all God's. And then Jesus gave his best effort. Jesus prayed in verse 4. He said, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. That Jesus gave his best effort. Listen, whatever we do for the kingdom of God should be with excellence for the glory of God. Isn't that true? Listen, we should not just phone it in when it comes to working for God. We should be giving our absolute best effort. But you know what? Even when we do everything to the best of our ability and we work our hardest, things aren't going to always turn out perfectly, are they? Things aren't always going to turn out wonderfully. Sometimes we're going to fail. But listen, here, here's the trick. Do your best and trust God with the rest. When you understand that, all of a sudden, so much of the pressure and stress starts to fall away. Do your best and trust God with the rest. I read something recently about kindergarten. 
that I think is really good. Maybe you've heard this before, but I'm going to just do this in closing. Most of what I really need to know about how to live and what to do and how to be, I learned in kindergarten. These are the things I learned in kindergarten. Share everything. Play fair. Don't hit people. Put things back where you found them. Clean up your own mess. Can the mother say amen? Don't take things that aren't yours. Say you are sorry when you hurt somebody. And when you go out into the world, watch for traffic, hold hands, and stick together. Isn't that good biblical teaching? Let me, let me read it to you again. The rules of kindergarten. Share everything. Play fair. Put things back where you found them. Clean up your own mess. And all the mother said? Amen. Amen. Don't take things that aren't yours. Say you're sorry when you hurt somebody. And when you go out into the world, watch for traffic, hold hands, and stick together. And in this world filled with doctors, psychiatrists, counselors, lawyers, mortgage brokers, teachers, and preachers who want to give stressed out people medicine, advice, tests, false security, therapy, and ceremonies. Friends, listen, most of what we need is just to follow the example of Jesus. To live life the Jesus way. Because what did he do? He looked to the Father. He turned toward heaven to find his source of strength. And I wonder if sometimes the stress that we have in our lives is because if we were to be completely honest, maybe God is really not first in our lives. Maybe God is not first in our priorities, not first in our homes, not first in our schedule, not first in our finances, not first in our career. He looked toward heaven. And he understood his life purpose, that everything is about glorifying the Father in heaven. He knew why he was here. And he stopped trying to fight for what he thought was his own because he realized, look, look, look. It's all about others. It's about giving of myself. And then he gave his best effort. He did his absolute best. And when you do your best and trust God with the rest, oh, it's a good way to live. It's a good way to live. Would you stand? <coughs> and so I wonder here today, we're all friends. We're family. And so you can admit it in front of your family here today. How many of you say, Joel, I could use some prayer over this issue in my life right now? The stress, the anxiety, would you pray for me today? The pressure that I'm facing, keep it up so I can see you all around this room. <sighs> Heavenly Father, I thank you for these beautiful people 
who today are acknowledging their dependence upon you. And Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that your spirit would fall upon them. That you would so fill them with your grace and your mercy that your presence would rise up within them and that they would feel a new level of strength in their lives today. A new level of courage, not in themselves, not in our own strength, not in our own ability, not in our own wisdom, but our faith in you in what you can do in us and through us for your glory. Lord, I pray today for those who are under tremendous financial pressure right now, the stress that they must be feeling. God, I pray that you would give them wisdom and insight. Maybe even right this moment that you would drop a word of wisdom into their spirit of exactly what they should do. Lord, I pray for someone right now who a broken relationship with a loved one is grieving their spirit. A child that they are at odds with. And the fighting and the tension and the disrespect and the lack of trust is eating them alive. Oh, Lord, that you would pour out your spirit upon them and that relationship between parent and child, that you would give them wisdom to know what to do and how to respond and what to say and what not to say. Lord, for those right now who, it, 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 it's, a, it's a thing at work that is just driving them crazy. And they don't even want to go to work tomorrow because they know how hard it's going to be. Lord, that you would give strength and courage, that it would rise up from within by the power of your spirit to go and be the light of Jesus to bring hope and encouragement to the hurting people that they work with every day. Lord, thank you for your great love for us. Thank you that you have given us this, your church, our family at MW. Thank you for what you're doing and what you are going to continue to do as you raise up <laughs> great and mighty prayer warriors who go out and share the love of Jesus with this broken world. And it's in Christ's name we pray. And everybody say, amen. amen.